God's good. Amen. I needed that. The words that take my life and make it wholly thine, fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self and pride. I now surrender, Lord, and me abide. Well, it's hard to sing. It's hard to sing. Yeah. You, all, you almost need Psalms 51 before you can sing that. Let's start in prayer. Oh, Lord God, we come before you this morning, Lord. We need you. We need your help, God. We need you to meet with us this morning. We need you to open the, your words, Lord, so we can feast on your words, Lord. Fill us, Lord God. Give us food to eat, Lord God, out of your words, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I'm unworthy, Lord, to be here. I'm unworthy to preach, Lord. I'm unworthy to, to, to get the gospel out today, Lord God. Lord, I'm just an unworthy servant, Lord God. And if it wasn't for you, I'd, I'd be lost and in hell, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord, for saving me, Lord. For making me your child, God. Oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, as your child, Lord, that you just help me to preach, Lord. Help me, Lord, to teach your words, Lord God. Feed your people, Lord God. And have mercy on us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you'd use this tent, Lord, to witness for you, Lord, to bring glory to you, Lord God. Help us, Lord, not to get in, our, in the way, Lord, in our flesh and carnal minds, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to walk in the Spirit, Lord God. We need your help. We need your strength, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd give us a burden, Lord, for lost souls. For those that are lost and dying, Lord, without hope, Lord God. Lord, uh, break our hearts over it, Lord God, like your heart breaks over lost sinners, Lord God, to tell them the truth, Lord. Help us, Lord, to see them like you see them, Lord God. Help us to, to walk with you, Lord, and to love you and obey you, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, you just meet with us right now and open your words to us, Lord. And help me to preach them, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you'd uh, turn in your Bible to and pray for me as I'm I'm preaching here Amen. and teaching on this. This is there's so much, so much in the Bible about witnessing. Am I on this now? I'm still on. Okay. Um, there's so much in the Bible about witnessing. It's it's almost where do you start? Soul winning. It's where do you start? And. And God has brought me along through this whole thing, and it's overwhelming. Honestly, it's, it's overwhelming when you look at witnessing, when you look at getting the gospel to the lost and dying world, when you look how God's heart, Jesus' heart, our examples, have broken over lost sinners, and I see the lack in me of where I should be as far as a broken heart towards this lost and dying world, how callous I've become. And God has really exposed that to me in this study. Amen. And my desires is along with Psalms 51. We live in a world where we're so calloused. We're so calloused. It doesn't bother us anymore that people are lost and dying on their way to hell. It doesn't bother us. You know, death doesn't even bother people anymore in our society. They've seen it. 
every single night on their on, on their stinking TV for so long, and they played video games where they kill people. That death doesn't bother them. Yeah, sin has become so. Uh, posted out there and put out there on, on billboards, on everywhere you look that we become callous to it and it doesn't bother us. And if we're not careful as Christians, we become callous towards it with a hatred. Yeah. And, and that's not where God was with sinners. God came to seek and save the sinners. And His heart broke over the sinners. Um, well, turn with 2 Timothy chapter 3. One thing I want to make sure that we get into as we get into the topic of a plea to witness is the title of the message, a plea for witnessing, um, is that it's not an either or with doctrine and soul winning or witnessing, however you want to call it. I don't think there's a right and a wrong way. Both are in the Bible. Um, and both have applications to it to help us understand what God wants for us as a witness. I do think witness is important. The word witnessing. And we're going to get into that. If you want to just... Am I losing my volume? Is it coming in and out? Is it just me? Okay. Okay, just me. That's alright. Um, as we get into this, we're going we're gonna to get into what, what it means to witness, what it means to soul win, and what we, we don't want to get out of out of where God gave us a job to do. And so oftentimes with witnessing, I've seen it time and time again in my own life and in churches across our land where they put all the responsibility and all the effort centers around the man and their ability to witness or convince or to win souls. And they leave God entirely out of it. And then on the flip side, on the other side, there's the group that says, okay... God does all of the soul winning. God does all of the witnessing. God is the one that draws. And they completely leave their, themselves out of it that God called them and the responsibility that God gave and the job that God gave and the obedience to the call that God gave them. And they, they leave that and put all the emphasis on, well, God's going to do it. Yeah. And both of those are wrong. Yeah. Both of those are out of balance. Both of those don't line up with the Bible. And so what I don't want to do is cherry-pick verses to get my opinion across. Right. And, and anybody can do that. Any preacher can do that. Good preacher, bad preacher, they, they can do that. And the Bible says, let God be true, but every man a liar. Amen. It didn't say just, just the bad men a liar. It said that every man's a liar. And so God is, is the only thing that we can count on for truth. And so you have to get into His words. Don't take my word for it, please, today. I want you to read the Word of God for yourself. Study this topic out for yourself and put it into your heart because that's what is ultimately going to do anything for you is the study of the Word of God for yourself. Now, preaching is necessary. God set it up to have preaching. But you don't need me to preach. You need God and His words. Now, if God gives me a message to preach, yeah. God will use that to, to encourage you to get with God and His words. Yeah. But there's not preaching apart from God and His words that is right. right. And if preaching draws you away from the, the Bible and into some man's doctrine, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Let's look at 2 Timothy real quick. Uh, chapter 3. 
And we're going to look at verse 15. And this is talking about the Word of God. You guys know this. This is Timothy as a child. The Holy Scriptures here, as a child, he knew them, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The Scripture will always magnify Christ. No matter Old Testament, New Testament, the Scripture will magnify Christ. But notice it says, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. That means you can actually go to the Scripture with the wrong heart and the wrong attitude against God, and it won't do it. You won't get a thing out of it. In fact, I've known people that have read Scripture, memorized Scripture, and they don't get anything out of it. And so we have to come to God, like that psalm was talking about, with a broken and contrite heart and say, God, help me, teach me. God has to be the teacher. You can listen to a good sermon that is biblical and get nothing out of it, and it seems like it falls on deaf ears. And it's not the preacher's fault. They did it with Jesus Christ. And he says, you have ears, but you don't hear. So we have to get our hearts in line from God to hear from God to learn on any topic whatsoever. Now, there'll be some teaching on this and some preaching, and God will figure out which one's which as we go. Verse 16 here. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, all of it, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the scripture makes thee wise unto salvation, which points to Christ through faith, which is in Christ. So that's why we hand out John Romans. That's why gospel tracts are, are I don't like gospel tracts if they don't have scripture in there. You say there's gospel, there's gospel tracts without scripture in there. They paraphrase. We need the word of God is what makes thee wise unto salvation. But the the point I want to get to here is that doctrine is a a main purpose of scripture is, is to have doctrine. And in fact, witnessing itself, giving the gospel out is doctrine of itself. And so you, again, you have these crowds that put all their emphasis, all their focus in on doctrine And praise the Lord, we ought to study doctrine, we ought to learn doctrine, doctrine is important, and they have none on witnessing, they have none on soul winning. And we don't want to get out of balance there either. But we have to emphasize that the scripture, it says all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable, the first thing here is for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. So sound doctrine is extremely important. We can't just drop that and say, okay, we don't need doctrine. We need to go witness because then your witnessing is going to be way off. You'll be, you'll be out there and, and that's how you get all these false gospels and perverted gospels is because you'll water down the, maybe you'll start with the right gospel. And then as you talk to more people and as you get out there and you're, you'll start watering down the gospel until you perverted the gospel and nobody knows better. Nobody knows the difference because they don't know their Bibles. And so we have to have a balance here on doctrine and witnessing. The two actually go together. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot have correct witnessing and giving out the gospel without sound doctrine. And you cannot have sound doctrine without witnessing. Because as you read this Bible, it's all through it to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so I want to get this understanding down first that it's not an either or. It's not we'll do this one or we'll do this one. It has to be both. 
And the devil likes to divide through that thing and get you to where you're all concerned about doctrine and not about witnessing. Or you're all concerned about witnessing and you lose the doctrine over there and then you're out spreading false gospel. So we don't want either one of those. We want the Bible. This is Bible time. We're going to get into a lot of Bible this morning. And I want to start with that preface that if you're asking yourself, why are we going to so much scripture? It's because we need the Bible to discern our thoughts, our intentions, and to help us in being a witness for God. We don't want to leave God aside and say, okay, what are the best methods to get people to show up? We don't want to just see people walk an aisle because they had an emotional appeal. And if you work hard, and the reason I say that is so true, that if you work hard on those things, any salesperson can tell you, you can appeal to somebody's emotions and get them to buy, you can get them to sell, you can get them to do just about whatever if you learn the right things to say to jerk a tear. And all across our land, churches have learned this. That's right. And it's wrong. And it's sending people straight to hell because they go around saying, well, I've been saved. The preacher patted them on the back and said they were saved because they repeated after me a prayer. And that's not the gospel. You won't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible, but you will not know that unless you study the word of God for yourself. So we have to get into God's word to say, how do you want me to be a witness for you, God? When you say winning winning souls are wise, and that's in the Bible, we'll get to that. What do you mean by that, God? And don't go to a preacher or to somebody that has some large congregation and say, well, they must be doing something right and say, teach me the methods. And I want to duplicate that with my church or I want to duplicate that in this tent. However, I want to draw the big crowds. Our emphasis and our mind has to be on Christ. Again, the scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so we need doctrine and we need to be a witness. And these two go together. And there's so much to get into here. First... Uh, I think we're going to switch courses here a little bit. And just to let you know, and those that are out there, um, the book on a biblical course of witnessing is mainly scripture references, is mainly what this book consists of. Um, And it's a good reference. It's a good reference. A lot of scriptures in there. It has helped me a lot. He goes straight to the Bible, and, and I believe God has used this work. I know he's used it in my life. And we'll reference this as we go. It's been a it's a it's been a good work um, that God has used that, and it's a, a biblical course on witnessing. And again, though, we don't want to just rely on James Knox, although he's a great man of God. God has used him. We can't rely upon him. We got to rely on the Scripture. Everything has to be checked by the book, by the Word of God. All right. So. First place we're going to start here is we hear this terminology a lot, and this kind of goes in with what we were just talking about, but what is a Christian? What is a Christian? We hear just about everybody and their grandma, especially around here, says they are a Christian. You know, at the the fire department, there was this guy who was talking about how he was a, uh, I'm not going to get into too much detail, but he was claiming that he was persecuted for being a Christian. He wasn't. But everybody's response is, everybody's a Christian on this department. I think we've got one Muslim. (laughs) 
But that is the world's understanding of what a Christian is, is that if you are not claiming to be a Buddhist, then you're a Christian. If you're not claiming to be a Muslim, then you're a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. And it's almost perverted the meaning of what a Christian is. The reason that they called Christians Christians in the Bible, and it wasn't that Christ said, hey, you are Christians. The world called them Christians because they followed Christ. It's being a follower of Christ. It's not a social status. It's not a, a, a I belong to this club here. Our, our world and our society likes clubs. They like to belong to something, and they like titles for that. You can see the spread with, with masonry. You can see it with, with all this stuff. And they, they, they like to tack the title Christian on. But a Christian is a follower of Christ. That's what it is. And we're going to get into talking about witnessing and knowing what a witness is. And being a follower of Christ, you're a witness to that. But as a follower of Christ, we should look first at what Christ did as, as a witness here and how his heart was towards lost people. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. And this is so important because we should follow Christ. Christ was our example. And one more thing I want to get to before we get too deep into this is do not overemphasize physical results. Amen. You think about Jesus Christ, who is our example. He worked miracles. Okay? He, he, he raised people from the dead. Yeah. He laid his hands on and healed people, and he never preached an off-sermon. And yet, in his whole ministry, there was about 120 saved. He had 12 close disciples, and one of them was a, was a, betrayed him, was a scout. And so from our perspective on this world, many would look at that ministry and say, the numbers aren't there. And so when we emphasize numbers, we get way off track. And so we should not get to where we're emphasizing numbers. Right. Our, our, our mind has to be in line with Christ. What did Christ do? What is making God happy? What is making Christ happy? Am I being obedient? Right. Am I following Christ? And you will know whether you're following Christ or not by the Holy Spirit that bears witness inside of you to say, that was right, that was wrong. And I'm speaking today to Christians. I'm speaking today to Bible believers, to people who are saved through the blood of Jesus Christ alone, through those who have put their faith and trust on Christ, his burial, his resurrection, and they, they called upon Christ because they saw that they were a sinner in need of a Savior, repented of their sin, turned to Christ and said, save me, and put their faith, trust, and belief on Jesus Christ, the only one who could save them, to wash their sin away. That's the crowd I'm speaking to today. Amen. All right, I, I want to make that important because there are a lot of people that witness out there, and the reason they're witnessing is off, the reason why they're, they're giving out the gospel is wrong is because they're not saved themselves. Amen. And they, uh, the other temptation is, oh, I will go tell others about Christ so that way I work my way to heaven. Right. Or I feel like a good person or I fit in with the crowd and we do not want that in the church. We do not want that in this ministry for people to say, oh yeah, I'm going to go knock doors because it's the popular thing to do amongst this crowd. Right. That is not right. We do not want that. We want you to be saved. And because of the Holy Spirit inside of you, you cannot help but to be a witness for what God has done for you. Amen. That's right. 
That's what our desire is. That was Christ's desire. So what was Christ's attitude? What was Christ's, where was his heart at towards lost people? And that's what we're going to look at here. Uh, Luke 19, we're going to start in, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up here. And oh, I'm in John, so. All right, Luke, Luke 19, and we're going to start here. And uh, we'll, we'll come back. We'll start in 41. So uh, we'll start in 39 to just get a little context on this. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would cry out immediately. So the Pharisees are against him. They're saying, hey, you need to rebuke your disciples. You're bringing men to yourself, okay? And for all those that, and I don't want to chase this rabbit, Lord, help me this morning. There's so much here, Lord, I need your help. Um, I hear this again and again as far as Jesus Christ being God Almighty. And they say, Jesus Christ wasn't God. The whole reason that Jesus was crucified was because he claimed to be God. The Pharisees got it. And we're seeing here that the Pharisees got it, and they are irritated and upset with Christ. And he said, look, if if they were not here, if these should hold their peace, if, if if his disciples did not cry out, that the stones would immediately cry out. So that's where he's at leading up to the context against the Pharisees. In verse 41, we're going to pick up here. And we have Christ. He shows up here, and when he was come near, he comes near to the temple here. And he beheld this city and wept over it. Amen. Christ showed up to this city. He sees what they're doing in the temple. And they hate him. Yeah. The Pharisees do. Yeah. They're not friendly to Christ. And what breaks his heart and he, and he begins to weep over the city, saying, verse 42, because he understood where they were at, saying, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. They couldn't get it. They didn't see that Jesus Christ was God Almighty. They weren't willing to humble themselves and to hear that the, the Messiah was Jesus Christ standing right in front of them and their eyes are hid. And Christ isn't sitting back saying, oh yeah, well you'll get what's coming to you. You want to you wanna mock and blaspheme, you'll get what's coming to you. You know, and it, it's hard to sit there and listen to a lost person blaspheme against God. They don't know any better. In fact, I would actually rather have a lost person that sees God for what he is and says I'm against him than to have and, and be as cold as ice itself and say, that's God, and I don't want anything to do with him. I can witness to that person, and, and he's at least being honest and truthful, than I can somebody that says, yeah, I walked the aisle and I'm saved, and they don't have the Holy Ghost anywhere near them. Right. And it's evident in their life. 
and they are as lukewarm as can be and want to ride the fence. I would rather that. But what I want to get a hold of today is that Christ, when he runs into these people who hate him, who despise him, who are doing the, their, their whole temple, they have it perverted. And you cannot tell me that Christ, Christ was tempted in every way that we were. And at Christ actually, this is the same Jesus now that came into the temple and flipped the tables over and said, you made this, this temple a mockery, a den of thieves is what he called him. Yeah. But if you look at Christ's heart here, he wept over the lost sinners. Yeah. He wept over it. And my question to you today, my question to myself today is when is the last time that you wept over a lost soul? When is the last time? That you sat there and you looked upon a city or you looked upon a a lost person that you were speaking to and and you wept over it. Tears came to your eyes and your heart broke. You can't drum that up. I'm not talking about alligator tears here. I'm talking about your heart is broken towards lost people. We need the Holy Spirit to burden our hearts for lost people. We need the mind of Christ inside of us, strong enough, walking with the Holy Spirit, that when the Holy Spirit's heart breaks over that lost sinner, Christ's heart broke over lost sinners here, that it breaks our hearts for lost sinners. And I want to start here today with witnessing because we have to have a burden for lost souls as Christians. Our heart has to break for them. Because if you get out there and you knock doors or you witness and your heart is not broken for them, again, you'll become calloused. That's right. And you'll no longer be giving the gospel out with the spirit of Christ as a follower of Christ ought to be. Right. You'll be knocking the door. Why are you dressed like that? Don't you know sending your kids to a school system that's going to teach them that evolution? Why are you doing that? Why, why, why are you watching that filth on your TV? Why? Oh, and we get mad and we get in our self-indignation. And all those things, there's truth to them. But they're lost. They don't know. It's hid from their eyes. And the reason why you're giving the gospel to them is because they, they are, they're lost in their sins. And our hearts ought to break. And when your heart breaks for them, you tell them the truth that will set them free. You don't sugarcoat it. You don't water it down. You give them the truth that's going to help them. You know, we we see cancer all through society. It's such a a good example. But if you see cancer on a young child, it it quickly breaks your heart. Now, if you had the cure and they were rejecting the cure that would help them, it would break your heart. We can see that physically. How much more spiritually? Their eternal soul here is what we're talking about. Does it break your heart? Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 9. It broke Christ's heart. Chapter 9. It ought to break your heart. It ought to break my heart. And we ought to pray that God give us a burden for lost sinners. I'm not talking about we sit around and until we can crank out alligator tears and act like it. I'm talking about your heart truly broken for lost sinners. 936 here. 
this is Jesus Christ, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into this harvest. And I've seen God answer that prayer. Praise the Lord for it. But you know what caused that prayer there is when you look at verse 36 there, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. It's real easy to see the multitude and be moved with self-indignation, to be moved with rage, to be moved with, with why? Christ was moved with compassion because they fainted and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. The Bible says, Jesus Christ says, they are their children of their father, the devil. They are blinded by the devil. They have their blinders on by their father, the devil. Of course, they're going to walk according to the course of this world. The Bible hasn't, hey, they haven't had a Bible read to them in their school for years and years and years now. They haven't had a Bible cracked open at their home. They haven't had a mom and dad that dropped them off at least at Sunday school. They used to drop lost kids off at Sunday school. They haven't been doing that for a long time now. And so you have a generation of people that have grown up and they don't know the Bible. They don't know God. They don't know Jesus Christ. All they know Jesus Christ is by the hokey churches that put a billboard up and says, Jesus accepts you where you are. They don't know the truth. They don't know God. And they're just wandering about there trying to find something that they can cling to that'll bring them some happiness. And is your heart moved with compassion? There's men here, young men that are growing up and they're not told how to be a man. They're not, they're told that Jesus Christ was a sissy. They're shown on TV and they're in their mind. The devil puts images in their minds that Jesus Christ was some sissy fruit guy. And he wasn't. If there was ever a man, it was my savior. But they don't know that savior. They don't know. They're lost. And what I'm asking you today is your heart full of compassion to these these people saying, look at the harvest. Look at these people in need of truth. We need our heart to, to, to break by the Holy Spirit and pray to the Lord God to send forth labors unto his harvest. And notice that, his harvest. Not your harvest, not this tent's harvest, not a church's harvest, it's the Lord's harvest. The Lord is the one that loves sinners. And if you get a hold of that, you'll realize you're just a servant for God to go bring them in. Bringing in the sheaves. Turn again real quick, Matthew 14, 14. Uh, We'll back up to verse 13. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by a ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. And when when it was evening, his disciples came unto him saying, this is a desert place. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. 
But Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give them to eat. I'm guilty of the, what the disciples did there. And I confess, God, forgive me, Lord. Help me to have a heart, Lord, like Jesus had a heart for sinners. There's places I don't, I, I don't need to bother going down there. Those people are too far gone. Those people, their wickedness is going to rub off on me. Hey, you've got to get with the Holy Spirit. You've got to get the mind of God. You've got to get in your word. And if your heart is broken for somebody with compassion like Christ was here, if, your heart, if you're weeping for a lost sinner that's going to spend eternity in hell, and that's what the, the soul that you see is going to hell, and you have the truth that God give you a job to tell them about him, a witness of what God did for you, then you look past the filth. You look past the garbage. And you can't do that in your flesh. You've got to have the Holy Spirit working through you, the mind of Christ inside of you, not your carnal mind, but a spiritual mind. But hey, the, you can believe it or not, the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Not maybe, might be, or, or sometimes. It says you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Plain. I believe this Bible. And so therefore, if you're walking in the Spirit and God burdens your heart for sinners, God burdens your heart for lost people, and your heart is broken for them, then you can go into a, a, a destitute area. Oh, we're living in one. Our country is full of filth. All the filth you can imagine is sits in just about every single one of these homes and is on their phones. It's filthy out there. We've got to have the mind of Christ in our mind and walk in the spirit to be a witness for Christ. We're going to get into that more. But you, what they're saying here is, look, they went into a desert place. The people followed them out there. The disciples said, send them on back. They need to eat. And Jesus said, no, we're going to give them to eat. We've got the food right here. We've got what they need. And the world isn't going to tell them. We need compassion, not arrogance. Let's look at an example of some Christians after we looked at Christ's example here. Turn with me to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We have a lot of examples in the New Testament. We have a lot of examples in the Old Testament of our job and our duty as Christians to give the gospel out. Um, Acts chapter 20, we'll pick it up in verse 18. Uh, we'll do verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church and when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all season. He says, You know what manner I've had. Verse 19, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. You want to serve God? You want to be a witness for God? You better get humble. The same way that God will resist a proud sinner that comes to God with all of his pride over him and all of his good works. Hey, after you're saved, you want to serve God and you take your pride and your abilities to God and expect God to use you, you're barking up the wrong tree. The first part of serving God is being humble and in and, and, and all humility towards God and say, God, I need you. Not, not, 
oh, I, I'm going, I'm, I've got, I've got this going on. You know, I, I've got the verses memorized now. I know what to say to, to, right. to, you know, touch their hearts. You know, I know the questions to ask, and I know, you know, I'm a soul winner. You want to see God leave like that, and God will leave. We need to get humble. We are in a broken country here. We are full of sin on every side of us. That's right. We've got a flesh nature that depart the mercy of God on our lives would consume us. That's right. I'm not worthy here to stand up and read the Bible and preach. I'm not. Hey. I'm, that's, that's the fact of it. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit having mercy on me, I would not be here. And I want you to understand when you give the gospel, when you witness and tell somebody what Christ did to you, it is humiliating. Because you have to confess before them that you were a sinner worthy of hell. That's right. That's right. And it's, it's all humility. When you give out the gospel, you know what you're doing is you're professing again and again and again of how great God is and what a scum you are. That's what it is. And if you drop that and try to make yourself seem like somebody, you're no longer serving the Lord. Right. You're serving yourself, and good luck with it. Right. And I'm not saying you won't get tons of people. Right. You, probably will. you probably will. And if God has mercy on you, you'll fall flat on your face. Amen. That's right. God is merciful to me. God is merciful. And he'll let you fall flat on your face. I praise the Lord for that. The Lord loves me as a child, and he chastens me when I mess up. And God wants us to get a hold of this this morning, that if you're going to serve the Lord and giving out the gospel and following Christ, you better humble yourself before God in all humility. So they got humility of mind, and look at this, and with many tears. That's, this, this is no longer Christ. This is the disciples here. And this is what they did. And this, this is another example to us, but I want you to notice that they had tears. Amen. Now, I don't know exactly what all the tears were over, but their hearts were broken here and they wept. If you want to serve God, and that's what witnessing is. That's what giving out the gospel is. That's what soul winning is, is you're trying to be a servant to God. That should be the objective, not to win numbers or any of that. It's to please God and to serve God with all humility. But you got to get to a point where you're in tears. You're in tears over your own sin. You're in tears over the sin of your country. You're in tears over lost sinners going to hell. You're in tears over their rejection. And I've got to be careful if somebody curses me out, typically my first reaction is honestly laughing. That's, that's how I protect myself. I just, I just, I'm not going to let that get to me. That's wicked. That's my flesh. And if you're not in the mind of Christ, that's where you'll be. You can, you can have all different types of reaction. You can have anger, flesh, carnal mind. You could have sarcasm. I'm going to show them how smart I am and how dumb they are. But what we want to get here and what I'm wanting to show you today is that you have to have the mind of Christ on with all humility and with many tears. Our heart should break when somebody rejects the gospel. And temptations. 
You say, I can't give out the gospel because I am tempted. Yeah. Nothing new. Right. We'll be tempted. Amen. That's right. The Bible says, blessed is the man who endureth temptation. Right. Temptation in and of itself is not a sin. You will be tempted according to the Bible. Amen. Not over what you can stand. Because the Holy Spirit that lives within you, you're going to realize when you, when you do come past that temptation, you'll see that the Holy Spirit delivered you from that. That's right. And that's what we need. But they suffered temptation. They suffered tears. And it says, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. Yeah. They had friendship broken. There's a reason why Peter was rebuked by Paul because he, he, he said, okay, I'm going to go along with the circumcision thing again. Yeah. And there's a reason, oh, especially specifically to this tent ministry or, or a church, I mean, you can apply this whatever way. A, a natural, the flesh naturally wants to see numbers, count numbers, do whatever you can for numbers. We want to be friendly. We want to see all types of people. That's our, that's our tendency, our fleshly tendency, is to say, oh, I want all types of people, all types. Of, I'm doing something big if there's all types of people. Yeah. And you know that if you speak up and say, hey, circumcision, uncircumcision, Christ will save them. Right. You're going to lose that crowd. Right. And you know if you speak up and say, hey, you know, Christ is sick and tired of your sin, and, and that's why he bled and shed his blood, is because your sin is a problem and you need to repent of your sin, you're going to lose that crowd. That's right. And you know if you stand up and say, hey, this is the Bible, the word of God, that I put my whole faith, my whole trust on, my eternity is on this Bible, and I trust it and I believe it, you'll lose the crowd. And if your mind gets off of Christ and onto those that you're witnessing to and trying to appeal or appease them, right. you'll find yourself right there. Amen. We need to keep our mind on God. Amen. And if they come, praise the Lord. The Lord's the one that gets the glory. Mm -hmm. Amen. And if they reject you, praise the Lord and pray to God. In our heart, we say, God, there's a sinner who needs you. Amen. Have mercy on him. And we be an advocate for them Amen. to the Father and say, God, give them another chance. Yeah. And if you think I'm going too far, we'll turn to some scripture here. But that is our example. Amen. Is when this world and our country rejects God, we don't, I'm going to get you, God's going to get you. We plead to God and say, God, have mercy. Amen. Turn the tide, turn our country back to you. Have mercy on our land. Have mercy on the lost souls of Dixon. That's right. That should be our prayer. We got to watch that flesh. Now, verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. What did he testify? Repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We're preaching the same message that they preached. Amen. Why are we preaching the same message? Why are we witnessing for the same witness that they had? It's because the same witness that they bore. Now, now hold on to this. What is a witness? What is a witness? Testifier. If you're in a, in a court of law and you're wondering whether or not we say, oh, okay, somebody stole something, right? 
and we wonder, okay, how do we know that they stole it? Yeah. Or how do they know that they committed that murder? And one of the first questions we ask, we say, did anybody see that? Right. And somebody says, yeah, I saw that man kill that man. Yeah, I saw that man steal that out of the store. We say, all right, you're a witness, and you'll be subpoenaed, and you'll have to speak in court and, and testify. You get this? Testify of what you witnessed. When you know Christ saved you and bore witness in your, in your spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, you witness and you can say, hey, I've seen it, I know it, the Holy Spirit forgave me, God forgave me of my sin because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and you are witness for what Christ did. We're witness. And the same thing that they witness with what Christ did in their life is what we're witnessing about. That's why the gospel has remained the same. Yeah. We're witnessing the same thing. What are we witnessing? Christ. Amen. That's what witnessing is. That's where we're at. And, and because of that, they preach repentance. They went from house to house. They taught publicly. They went to the gas station and they saw a man and God said, hey, go tell him. And they suck him. <laughs> I'll never forget. Uh, I think I was engaged. And me and Kristen, yes, I was engaged. Uh, me and Kristen are walking and we're giving out the gospel. And there's a Spanish looking lady, wasn't it? I say, Kristen. What do you think about giving her the gospel? She's like, oh, she's new to it. It was a struggle, and there was a spiritual warfare over it. And I said, you know, here we go. I'm not going to go down. You go down. She needs the gospel. And Kristen did. And I prayed as, the, as Kristen went over there and talked to her and talked to her. And she spoke English, right? But it was broken or whatever. And they sat down at a kitchen, uh, an outside table or whatever, out in the and I watch them, and they both start weeping. And Kristen comes back crying with tears in her eyes. That lady got saved. Amen. And to see God use us as sinners, just witnessing about what Christ did to see somebody come to the Lord, you're going to have a battle of a lifetime. But we have the victory in Christ. They had a battle of a lifetime here. They were literally stoned, kicked out of towns, had every excuse to stop. And we'll get into excuses maybe tomorrow. But they will come. Our job, we have to stick to the course and have the mind of Christ first to be a witness of what Christ did for us. Well, we're going to look at an, a New Testament or a uh, Old Testament example now. And I'd have no clue what time we're at. Okay, I know, I know you try to keep these down to somewhat an hour. Um, Ezekiel. If I'm not careful here, we can... I just read a, a, about them, uh, Paul preaching to midnight. And so <laughs> he started, I think, in the morning, too. Oh, praise the Lord for his words. Uh, Ezekiel. And this, this, one, this one really... There's a lot to this that applies to us today, and I, I, we're not going to get into all of the meaning of all of this, but we're going to make the application here that applies to a Christian giving a warning to the lost. Okay, so first we're going to read the chapter. I'll read the entire chapter, or uh, we'll read, 
read at least we'll read here and then and then we're going to get into the application again the word of the lord came unto me saying Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them, when I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coats and set him before, uh, set him for their watchmen, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people. So the Lord of the Lord came unto him and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to have a man here, a son of man. He's going to speak unto the people, and he's going to go ahead, and if he sees somebody, if when he seeth the sword come upon the land, he sees the sword coming, he's going to blow his trumpet to warn the people. Verse 4, and whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet, and taketh not warning, if the sword come, and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchmen see the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away from his iniquity and his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Now, you will not lose your salvation by not witnessing if you're truly saved. However, having said that, if you're a witness of what Christ did, you will not help yourself in some capacity to say, hey, Christ saved me. We talked about that being born again. A baby, one of the first things a baby does is cry when they're born. You cannot help yourself but to cry. When you see a lost person receive Christ as their Savior, one of the first things that they do is say, I've got to tell my family. I've got to tell so-and-so. That's a good response. But what we're getting into here is God said, all right, again, the word of the Lord came unto me. The word of the Lord. We've got the word of the Lord in our hands. And when it comes unto us and says, hey, you warn them. You warn them. And you watch. And when God sent you at a point and you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're walking up and down, okay? You're walking up and down the wall. And God says, there he is, warn him. Yeah. And you don't? He said, it's your, your, the blood's upon you. Now, God is a merciful God. Yeah. And I've been there before where God said, hey, witness. And I didn't witness. And God smote my heart. And then I got to see, I'll just tell the whole the whole story again, I guess. I was walking in, I was at college, I was walking into the gym, walked by this girl, she's dressed in, in horrible clothes. I wasn't walking in the mind of Christ, and my heart did not break for her. And I said, if I am seen with her, what are people going to think of me? And I walked right on by to the gym. And God smote my heart and smote my heart and smote my heart. That person's going to hell. I said nothing to him. I didn't warn him. I didn't warn him. And I come back out from the gym, and I'm just defeated. And I see a man witnessing to that lady <laughs> when I came back out. God said, all right, I'll get him. God had mercy upon that man. God had mercy upon that girl that sat outside. God is a merciful God, a loving God. But if he's given you a job to warn, you better warn. 
you're going to sit there. And what we've had a problem with is, is we, we know these verses. We know that we ought to give out the gospel. But our problem is there's a disconnect from applying the reality to our heart and our life. And what we need to do, especially in this ministry, is get, get before God, get honest before God, and say, God, break my heart for these lost sinners that are going to hell. Break my heart for these people that are lost in their sins. Because the Holy Spirit has to be the one to break our heart. Help me to warn. When you say warn, we need to warn. Our country is going spiraling down at a rapid rate of speed because the Christians have not warned. They have not sound the warning. They've been told, hey, warn them. They've been told, hey, get the gospel out. Don't sugarcoat it. Preach the truth in season, out of season. And the church is advocated on every front. And they stopped warning. That's right. And the sword came to our land. Yeah. And it's taken the, this generation, the, the following generation. Yeah. And we've watched this cycle and Christians are just standing there as a watchman. And God says, hey, warn them. And the Christians that have biblical truth, they stick to their sound doctrine. They stay in their cozy churches. They don't get out there and they don't warn anybody. Right. And then we scratch our head and go, why is our country in the shape it in? All right, we need to we need to vote somebody new into office. What we need to do? Yeah. These Democrats have done wrecked us. Yeah. The Bible says, "Examine yourself." Right. The reason we're in the predicament that we're in is because we haven't warned them. Amen. Our heart is not broken for sinners. Our heart is not broken for the lost. And we sit there with our sword, with the warning, and we keep it to ourselves and say, God, are you going to do something about this? We need, we need help. Turn with me here real quick to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. Lord, help me this morning. Help me to stay on course. Help me to stop when you say stop, Lord. Help me to continue preaching. If you want me to continue, Lord, that this would be a blessing and a help. Proverbs 30, or I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 30. You guys know this. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. He that winneth souls is wise. That defaults to say that he that doesn't win souls is a fool. Yeah, that's right. And we don't have that mind in our own head. Because winning souls doesn't result in money. And a lot of times it doesn't result in fame. But the Bible says if you win souls, you're wise. You will not get another opportunity to go witness to somebody that didn't know Jesus Christ ever again. This is it. This life, this this life that we have, and the Lord, if he tarries, has given us time as Brother Joshua was praying to God and saying, we have a short amount of time here. If you live your entire life, your full life, and you live to, to 80 or 100 years old, that's about a vapor. 
is what the Bible says. You've got a short amount of time to be a witness for Christ, to sell somebody who doesn't know Christ and point to Christ as their as a Savior. You won't get this opportunity in heaven. They will know that Christ is Savior, and it will be hardened, and the Holy Spirit will not change their heart at that point, no matter how they call upon him. In hell, once they're in hell, once the judgment has hit them, that judgment is final. Now is the time to witness. Now is the time to give the gospel out. And the Bible says you're wise if you do that. Turn with me here quickly to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. He that winneth souls is wise. Do not waste this opportunity. And here, here's the other part about this, is, is you have to have balance. The scripture balances itself out, and we're going to get into this more, is I do not want to get into the mentality of, okay, this is what I ought to be doing, and so then in my flesh, I'm going to get out there, and I'm going to go give out the gospel and in your own flesh. The first part about it is humbling yourself before God and saying, God, help me to have a broken heart. Help me to have your mind. And then it'll come to a point where the Holy Spirit deals with you so that you cannot help yourself but to go out. And that is the power that God puts on his church to go forth. But you go out with God without the power of God in your life, and you go out and say, you know what, I'm going to do this in my flesh because this is what I'm going to do. And you won't say that you're doing it in pride or arrogance, but I'm begging you, be honest with yourself before God and say, am I, am I witnessing because of I want pride or I'm prideful and I, I want them to look at me? Or am I witnessing because the Holy Spirit has told me to and I cannot help myself but to be a witness for Christ? Yeah. All right, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Am I right here? Yep, yep, okay. Uh, we'll start in verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. They will wake in contempt. You understand there's not a purgatory here. It's you're either going to wake up in hell and in torment, right. everlasting contempt, or you're going to wake up to everlasting life. Those are the two options. There's not another one out there. It's one or the other. Verse 3, And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And it's not your light. It's not your light that's shining. It's Christ's light inside of you. You know, some of the best-looking people on the outside that I know would be the Amish. They dress modestly. They work hard. They have a reputation of being hard workers and family men. They have, they have large families, usually respectful children. They've got all that on the outside. You ask them how many souls have been saved. There ain't very many, if any. It's a, it's, it's a rarity that's heard across the country. They'll put it in the newspaper. Somebody joined the Amish. But yet their lifestyle's there. So don't give me this garbage that my lifestyle is what's going to bring people to Christ right. in and of itself. Right. 
I've heard it said, well, we're, we're supposed to be a shining house on a hill. There's truth to that. You understand? There is truth in that your lifestyle should represent Christ. But to replace that with saying, I don't have to witness, is a lie and it's wrong. Right. Amen. It, it's not adequate. You're supposed to shine Christ's light through you. Look at this. And as and they that be wise shall shine as a brightness of the firmament that they turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever turning people to righteousness the only way to turn people from righteousness is if they see their sin and it's Christ's righteousness that is imputed upon them again it's wise we'll look at a couple more scriptures here turn with me to Matthew chapter 10 Matthew chapter 10 Verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. That's heavy. You've got a problem if you don't have any desire to confess Christ. You've got a problem if you find yourself denying Christ, denying Christ, denying Christ. And we, I don't, I don't, we won't chase this rapid, but you look at Peter who denied Christ, and I believe at that point he was lost. And Christ was exposing himself because it said that he had not yet been converted at that point. That's what the Bible says on Peter. And if you continue to deny and deny and deny Christ, do not lie to yourself and say that you're a Christian or, or, or you're saved if you're not. Yeah. The Holy Spirit inside of you say, ah, boy, you're a Christian, and you won't be able to help yourself but to confess Christ. Yeah. Amen. And I'm, I'm not saying you'll never stumble. I'm not saying you'll never mess up. But what I am saying is that a Christian and the Holy Spirit inside of you will confess Christ. And when you confess Christ, Jesus says, hey, I'll confess you. Him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. It's the Bible. You cannot like it. You can lump it. That's what the Bible says. If you confess Christ, he will confess you. If you aren't confessing Christ, he won't confess you before his Father. If you deny Christ, he's going to deny you. And we live in a day and age where you call yourself a Christian and have zero fruit of it. You deny Christ in your actions. You deny Christ in what you say. And if someone says, hey, are you one of those Bible fanatics? You believe in God? You say no. We have to confess Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit will do inside of you. It's not a matter of you even saying, oh, I got to do this. It's the Holy Spirit inside of you that will swell up and say, Christ saved sinners. Amen. Turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 16. It's commissioned. You guys know this as well. Mark sixteen fifteen. Um, Mark sixteen. Oh, I'm in Matthew. Okay. <laughs> I like that doesn't line up right there. I didn't read that. All right, Mark sixteen fifteen. We'll start at verse fourteen. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven. This is Christ appearing unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief. And hardness of heart, because they believed not 
them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And you'll talk to people and they'll say, well, I just don't believe. Yeah. Unbelief is sin before God and he will damn you for your unbelief. That's right. And it is our job to preach the gospel. He said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the hillbillies, that's the city slickers, that's the Yankees, that's the Southerners, that's your West Coast. Every creature. If God says warn them, you warn them. That's our job as a soldier, is to warn. That's our job as a, you want to call yourself a Christian following Christ, that is our example. In season, out of season. And it's not based on your feelings, you understand? It's not based on your physical, oh, I'm tired. It's based on the Holy Ghost inside of you proclaiming Christ as a witness, as a witness to what Christ has done for you and will do for them. That's what this is. That's what we need in our country is a witness for Christ. We don't need, we don't need people who call themselves Christians. And their heart doesn't break over sinners. And God help us. God help the church when their heart does not break for the lost in their own communities. And our own country. God help us to have a heart that breaks for the sinner. To tell them the truth. Because they are headed down a road that will lead to their destruction. And they don't know the truth. They don't have the answer. They need a preacher. And when I say preacher... I'm not saying you, you say, okay, well, that's the, that's the guy in the pulpit's job, not my job. It's the Christian's job. It's those who follow Christ as his example. As your example, you follow Christ as he did. I'm not saying everybody's got to get behind a pulpit and preach. Right. That's not what witnessing is. Right. Witnessing is saying, I know what Christ did for me, and I'm going to tell you what Christ did for me. Yeah. That's what a witness is. The witness is not the judge. The witness is not the attorney. The witness simply sits in the witness booth and says, this is what I saw, and I have to testify before it. And God says, hey, you're a witness for what I did to you. I saved you from hell. I gave you eternal life, and you're a witness to the Holy Ghost that bears witness inside of you. Now testify. And that is what witnessing is. We're going to get a little further into this next Bible time. But for now, let's, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for your words. We thank you, Lord, for an opportunity to witness, Lord God. Oh, Lord, have mercy, Lord, on us. Have mercy on our country, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would break over lost sinners, Lord God. Lord, give us a burden, Lord God. Don't let us just gin it up and go about in our own flesh and our own means trying to just go through the motions, Lord God. We don't want that, Lord God. We confess it before you right now, Lord God. We don't want to walk in our flesh, Lord God, in, the, in our carnal mind, Lord God. Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit, Lord. Help us to have a spiritual mind, the mind of Christ toward lost sinners, Lord God. Lord, we need you to just meet with us. We need you to fill us, Lord God. 
And we need your power, Lord God, to be a witness for you, Lord God, the way we ought to be, Lord. Lord, we pray that you would use this ministry, Lord, this tent ministry, Lord. When we knock doors, Lord God, use us, Lord. We're nobody's, Lord God. We need you. Lord, help us to be humble in our minds, Lord God. Help us not to be distracted by the devil, Lord God. Help us not to get in the carnal mind, Lord God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that we'd be humble enough to repent of our sins before you, Lord God, so that way we can be used of you, Lord God. We don't want to go about carrying around all the junk and weight of this world, Lord God. Lord, help us. Help us to be a witness for you. Help us to have a burden. Use us, Lord God, to bring glory to you, Lord, not to this tent, not to ourselves, Lord God, but that you get the glory, Lord, and have mercy, Lord God. We're asking you, Lord, to save lost souls. Yes, Father. We agree, Lord. Save those, Lord, that are, are lost, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you'd rip off the blinders, Lord. Bind Satan over the houses that will go to, Lord, today and give the gospel over, Lord. Prepare their hearts to hear from you, Lord God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.